just about anything you can think of will produce a dust and then we come up with ways to collect it and keep everybody safe. And I'll take a sample of their dust and analyze it. And basically we have all kinds of filters. And so I'll recommend uh, what the best type of filter is. Hello and welcome to Let's Talk Clean Air, where we find out more about how clean air can affect the quality process for you and the workplace. I'm your host, Jacob Stewart, and in this episode, we're going to be discussing dust sample analysis. With me today is Campville APC's Blake Mead. So how are you doing today, Blake? Uh, pretty good. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, to start things off, can you tell me more just about your position and what you do here at Campville? Yeah, sure. So I work in the uh, research and development part of Canfield. One of the services we offer for the mainly for like the sales reps, but for the customer too, is um, they'll send me a sample of the dust or sometimes like a, a dirty filter or something. And I'll take a sample of their dust and analyze it. And basically we have all kinds of filters. And so I'll recommend uh, what the best type of filter is and uh, some other things like air cloth ratio and like the glossy for the dust capture and measure the moisture and other stuff like that. But then basically I recommend them what kind of filters they should use for their dust. Mm -hmm. Right. So how long have you been working here at Canfield? I've actually been doing this about, I believe it'll be four years coming up in January. Okay, nice, nice. So I guess to start things off, do you ever get dust from other countries? Yeah, we get dust from all over. Mainly they come from the U.S. and Europe, but... Uh, we get those samples from all over. I've gotten them from Canada, Mexico, South America, Ireland, China, Thailand. We have a Canfield branch in Thailand, and so I've seen several samples from there. The farthest one away, I think, was one from Australia from a place that makes custom surfboards. So I got oh, a wow. of fiberglass. And little mom-and-pop shops all the way up to big manufacturers like uh, GM and Skittles. Okay, so just so I have a better understanding of what is that you do this for so basically different businesses like be it mom and pop shops or the big manufacturers like gm or skittles so they just send you their dust like to see if our dust collectors have the capability to deal with that specific dust if i understand that right yeah so uh i'll i'll check that we're compatible and then i'll recommend them what the best kind of filter for their particular kind of dust is okay. and uh also i'll put in there some values that help uh, the sales rep size the collector. So, right. Um, you know, you, for a job with real high loading, you may have a real big unit for like a little mom and pop shop. You may have like a little bit like a two or four cartridge unit collector. And uh, I'll just look at, it gives them uh, an individualized report about their dust and just let them know that we looked at their specific dust and um, gave it that personal touch. I, I was kind of surprised that you said that you get some mom and pop shops like that, like smaller businesses. Would you say that it's more common that you get smaller businesses like that, or is it more common to get like the uh, the bigger clients to send you types of dust? Uh, probably about 50-50, but uh, mm -hmm. especially when it comes to the, the big jobs, um, if it's not something that we already have a collector on or not something we've done before, they like to send me a sample just to make sure they nail it. <laughs> we mm -hmm. don't want to mess those mm -hmm. up. Right. But, uh, Usually, a lot of times, it's 
a lot of these sales guys have been doing it a long time, so they kind of have an idea. But a lot of times, if, if it's a dust that we've never seen before or never done before, they'll send it to me, just kind of analyze it, check for like, like I said, for moisture, adhesion, cohesion, different aspects of it. Particle size, too, that's a big deal. Too. Uh, so how many different kinds of dust are there, really? It was a little funny. Whenever I started working here, I never worked in uh, industrial ventilation or dust. And so when you said dust, I was thinking about, you know, either the dust around your house or like uh, sand, you know, like in mm -hmm. sand dunes. That was kind of what I thought when I thought of dust. But dust yeah. could really be anything, just about any any manufacturing process you can think of, whether they're making a particle board or uh, mining or pharmaceutical. Just about anything will make dust. And then you have, if you don't pick that dust up, it ends up uh, collecting on services and could lead to health issues or present an explosion hazard. Most, a lot of dust are explosive. So just about anything you can think of will produce a dust. And then we come up with ways to collect it and keep everybody safe. Some of the main industries we see are like dust from like laser tables where they're cutting metal, uh, metal shops, um, like I said, mining dust, uh, paper companies, any paper process or wood process, pharmaceutical industries, cosmetic brands, then we get some dust from food and farming processes mm -hmm. and toner dust from printing companies. That's really okay. Cool. I've learned I've learned a whole lot. And uh, like I said, I've been doing this a few years, but um, I've been working with some some great guys in R&D who have been here for, you know, 10 years plus. And so mm -hmm. uh, I've learned I've gotten to learn a lot and got to look at a lot of different kinds of dust. It's yeah. really interesting. And So you mentioned all these different types of dust. What would you say is the weirdest sample you've seen? The one I always like to show people or tell people about is a sample of shredded up money. That was, oh, wow. That was really interesting. But yeah, we got shredded up money. And then um, I've looked at a lot of crazy weird stuff too, like the the deodorizers they put in porta potties, the blue stuff in porta potties. I've looked at a dust from a place that makes those little pucks for that. We've gotten dust from, like I said, sour Skittle dust, hot Cheeto dust. Um, I got a dust sample from a waste treatment facility, you know, that was recycling uh manure and stuff and then you know yes yeah, some, some gross stuff some weird stuff like i said the shred up money was the most interesting one for me the weirdest one we've ever gotten uh probably ever was someone else a guy named daniel was doing the job before me and he actually got a dust sample that was alive it was oh uh, really <laughs> yeah yeah they, they the place that he got it from basically grows moths like the little okay. fly flying bugs mm -hmm. and they they use that to feed other things but uh, in order to raise the moss, they feed them little larvae, little worms. And, but, but they were microscopic, so Daniel just got it, and it looked like just a pile of dust until mm -hmm. he put it under the microscope. And they realized it was, whenever he turned the camera on on the microscope, he saw that it was moving. Oh, wow. <laughs> and he was so, a little bitty microscopic worms. That's not something we do very often. Um, so you're mentioning, like, all these, you know, crazy kinds of dust that you all get. About how many samples do you get, like, in an average week, would you say? In average week, uh, I'll probably see a couple samples a week, usually on average. And, you know, some weeks, it, it kind of varies just depending on when the sales guys are working. Sometimes mm -hmm. I'll get one a day on a busy week, but uh, mm -hmm. two, two a week is pretty average. So you all do get kind of a steady stream of these dust samples, though? Yeah, and we get dust samples, and sometimes they'll send me, you know, the, our whole thing is we make uh, filters. So sometimes I'll get dirty filters back from places. You know, if, if we saw, if we had any issues, we may look at the dirty filter to see if there's anything we can see. Right behind me over here, that's our uh, SEM, that's our expensive piece, the skinning okay. electron microscope. 
And uh, if we get a filter back, we can actually cut off a little piece of it. And I can stick it under that electron microscope and I can actually see the individual like pores and fibers of the filter. And so that comes in handy a lot whenever we're dealing with problem jobs. Uh, you can actually see the pores of the filter. And if there's something plugging them, you can get an idea of what it is. And we've used it before to do like an elemental analysis mm-hmm. to see what was stuck on a filter. That was kind of a mystery. Do you guys ever get any kind of dangerous samples? So I ask whenever they send me a dust, one of the things they ask for is I said they send me the SDS sheet, which stands for safety data sheet. And that's important because it lets me know what I'm handling and if it's bad to breathe. Most of the time I'm dealing with very small quantities, so it's not really an issue. But if it's a dust that's really, really small, I may have to, I've got a respirator I can put on if I need to. And we actually got a whole a whole hazmat suit, but I haven't had to use it yet. If it's anything real dangerous, we'll just tell them not to send it. Um, right. I'll just try to kind of do a consultation over email or over the phone. Mm-hmm. I got a filter back one time that was from one of those like uh, food companies and they, it was coated in cayenne pepper. Oh, wow. <laughs> I was, I was messing with it, trying to get a dust sample off. And every time I would move the filter around, it would make me like sneeze and yeah. my eyes water. <laughs> so <laughs> I had to put on some safety glasses. Right. So is there anything that you ask of anything else that you ask of customers before they go to send you their, the different types of dust samples? Um, mainly the SDS sheets. There's, I'll ask for more information uh, from the salesperson. Usually I may ask if it's a dust that absorbs moisture. I may ask if they're putting the collector outside or inside or sometimes where, like what country or state or location the dust came from is important. Like I said, when I get those samples from Thailand, if the dust is really hygroscopic, which means it absorbs moisture like humidity, that might be an issue because in Thailand is you know it gets really humid. Mm-hmm. So we think about that sometimes, or if it's a place that's going to be located by one of the Great Lakes or an ocean, we'll take that into consideration. Uh, a lot of times I'll ask about heat in the facility because some processes are really really hot, and so some of our filters can go up only go up to about 160 degrees Fahrenheit. Others can go up to above 200 degrees Fahrenheit. So mm-hmm. I may ask that. And then how often they're running, you know, some places run 24 seven, a lot of some places do one shift or two shift. You know, sometimes it's good if they have an opportunity, if they're just running like an eight hour shift, sometimes we ask that they do what's called offline cleaning. So our filters pulse clean with air. And sometimes for like paper dust, for instance, it really like the dust likes to bundle up into like a big cotton ball, basically. And that that's not really good for the filter. So we usually ask that they offline pulse or continuous pulse to help clean the filter off effectively. Mm-hmm. So I guess like in a broader sense, how does this process work for the customers? Like, do they just reach out to you and ask like, hey, we've got this specific type of dust we want to send in and sample? Or do they just go ahead and just send it to you unannounced? Or how does that work? You know, I prefer not to get them unannounced, but you know, things happen. Right. Usually they're working with a sales. Usually they're talking to a sales rep or an aftermarket rep before they're talking to me. And so he'll, I've got a request form that I'd like them to fill out if they need that. And it's, I think you can get it on our website or usually, like I said, the sales rep they're working with, we usually provide that and help them fill that out. And then, so just send their, they were sending the request form, the safety data sheet along with the dust. And hopefully it's all sealed up nice and well. I'll look at the SDS sheet over and then see what I need to do to before I open the sample. Like I said, the sales rep can help them with the request form or it's on our website and I'll look that over. So what do you, once you receive the dust samples, like what do you look for in the dust? One of the big things I get 
he is one thing that's kind of hard to tell just from looking at the dust like in a picture or something is the particle size and mm -hmm. that's what this machine right here behind me is for it's a uh, optical particle sizer analysis uh, spectrometer and it's got in this little shell here it's got a laser beam and i can put a little sample of the dust in and it vacuums it up and then it shines laser on it and it'll give me tell me what the particle size is and that's that's a big thing um for seeing to find out on the dust because when you're talking about dust you're talking about talking in terms of micrometers or microns for short a micron is a thousand times smaller than a millimeter so when we think about it, a human hair is about 50 to 70 microns in diameter so mm -hmm. not length but like the width of a hair is 50 to 70 microns uh, to give you an idea of the scale and we humans can see down to about 40 microns so if you can make out individual grains or fibers the dust is easily 100 to 300 microns in size fine beach sand is about 60 to 150 microns a grain of salt could be 60 microns and then once you get smaller than that white blood cells are 25 microns red blood cells are seven to eight microns and so uh fine powdery dust could be anywhere from eight eight to about 50 microns so get, basically getting this down to the size of your cells and then you get to at that range just with fine dust you're getting down to below the limits of what your eye can see and then I get some dust sometimes it's one micron or less or three microns or less and that's the size of bacteria so we're talking about fine particulate you can't really tell with your eye how small something is and so when you get down to that size we take the filter media and we lay a nanofiber coating over it which is just like a, it looks like a spider web over the filter and it just helps to catch smaller dust on the little pores that would get, normally go through the pores in the paper filter media we throw a, a nanofiber coating over it and it helps catch all that smaller stuff and so that way we keep the efficiency up to about you know 90 percent or greater so and once you start getting down to about uh, one micron in size uh, it starts getting really hard for your body to uh, filter out or flush out stuff that size because like i said you're talking about stuff that's as small as like the cells in your body so it gets hard for your body to flush that stuff out so it, it ends up becoming really dangerous for people to breathe so it's even more important for us to get the right filters on that to make sure that we're keeping the air clean for people working in the facility to breathe. And often, uh, if they're planning on, we have some facilities that plan on recirculating the dust coming out of the collector. And uh, often, if they're doing that, we'll often recommend HEPA secondary filters, which are extremely efficient and they're a really good backup for the standard for our filters. And they catch any any stray dust, like you know, we talk about like a hand sanitizer and stuff and you say it's effective at killing 99.9 percent .9 of things so the hepa filter is kind of like our backup for our filtration oh, okay. just to catch any stray dust coming through for that other like 0.1 percent yeah for that other like 0.1 percent or whatever mm -hmm. it is and it helps act as a flame barrier too so that's useful i'll also check uh the moisture content that's another big one and like i said how much it absorbs moisture because depending on where the dust is at or being collected that'll be a big deal and then I'll I'll take a picture under I got a microscope here I'll take a picture of the dust under the microscope to show to the uh, customer or whatever so I can show them that we looked at the dust and the shape of the dust could make a difference in how the dust will flow through the air whenever we're collecting it um, so like paper dust will look like uh, long skinny fibers and then something like silica dust like sand will look like little pebbles or little rocks and that shape the shape of that will make a difference in how it flows through the air and could make a difference in what kind of 
part air cloth ratio or how, how we size the collector. So you mentioned a little bit about this, but what sort of equipment do you use to test the dust? Yeah, so like I said, I've got the microscope to take pictures of the dust, and I've got the uh, particle size analyzing machine with the laser. Um, we've got the SEM that can take pictures of the filter media and see the individual pores and look at what's plugging the media. Mm-hmm. Um, I've also got, it's not out, but I've got a instrument to measure like the moisture content of the dust. So about the only thing I did mention was uh, we have a scale. So I can, I get the, I measure the bulk density of the dust using our scale. I'll take a little sample of the dust and basically get a bulk density in pounds per cubic foot. That That's useful too when we're talking about uh, dust loading and how difficult it's going to, how heavy the filter is going to be once it's fully loaded and that kind of stuff. So do you use every bit of this equipment for every type of dust sample you get? Or do you just use some of it for specific dusts or does it vary or? The only the only thing uh, the SEM is kind of a special thing that we only do sometimes, but uh, I'll use the rest of that for every every report gets. I can take a picture of the dust and get the particle size and measure the moisture and then how much it absorbs the moisture and I'll get the bulk density. Um, sometimes we'll do also do a if if I notice if I notice that it's got quite a bit of moisture in it from the just like the humidity meter, then I'll take it and I'll put we've got an oven I'll put it in and I'll get a moisture by weight. That's like I said, the moisture by weight and the SEM are the only things that are kind of special. So I guess from start to finish, about how long does this process typically take? Uh, usually from the time I receive the dust, I usually give myself about a week before I send them the final report. And, you know, depending on if how much I have to discuss it with the sales rep, we may have to take a little longer if we need to discuss it with them. Okay. So having said all that, why is it so important to investigate the dust? Yeah. So, uh, like I said, a big thing for me to look at is the particle size, because like I said, you can't tell with your eye how small something is, and that could be really dangerous. Another thing is looking at whether or not we need grounded or flame retardant filter cartridges. So, the the National Fire Protection Agency, NFPA, uh, has regulations as far as, not really regulations, as much as recommendations about uh, whenever you're dealing with metal dust, it's recommended to have grounded filter media, grounded cartridges just to keep from uh, triggering any explosions. And sometimes with really light dust, like this, the silica dust I showed you before, um, something like this, it would be important to have grounding cartridges because that stuff is so small and so light that static could actually cause the dust to not really come off the filters. Flame retardant filters, if we have anything that's going to be flammable, fire retardant filters will help slow down any fires inside the collector. And then if we're talking about like food dust, a lot of times we want to have washable filter media because a lot of food dust could be moist and they are always sticky. So we'll put a washable filter media in that's made of like polyester. And so the customer can take the filters out and wash them. Um, okay. Usually we like to stick to food with that because there's a lot of dust that are you don't want to wash down the drain. But but food dust is usually fine. So they can take the filters out and wash them and reuse the filters. And that'll help extend their filter life with the sticky dust like sugar or something like that. Uh-huh. And then some dusts also have a certain amount of oil in them. So we have uh, oleophobic coated filters that we can recommend. For instance, I think about coffee dust. Coffee dust can be really oily. And mm-hmm. so we'll recommend some oleophobic filters to, because oil is obviously not good for like paper filter media. We have special filters we'll recommend for that. And we'll look at that. And like I said, our whole goal is to, the most important thing is keeping the workers safe at the places where we put our collectors. 
So I don't do it here, but I also we can talk about like a explosion testing, combustible dust testing. I have mm-hmm. we use a we go through a third party we go through third party labs to test the combustibility of a dust, but I also do a little bit with that. There's some paperwork that you have to send to the testing lab and then you know you've got to interpret the results. And so sometimes I help with that. I don't do it here, like I said, but I'll I'll do the paperwork for customers that want to have their dust combustible tested. As the years go by, we're doing that more and more because just about every dust now is explosive and you need to make sure you have the proper safety equipment to uh, make sure you don't have like a fireball going back into the facility or make sure that the collector is protected against like any combustion. So one thing I'm sure customers are wondering about is, is this test free? So the uh, the filter testing I do where I take a picture of the dust and get the particle size and then recommend filters, that test is free. The only caveat to that is uh, obviously if we're doing it for free, we, we want it, the result of that to be us selling new filters or selling a collector. And it doesn't always have to be for a new collector sale. Um, some places have a competitor collector and we'll take a look at their dust and recommend like a uh, retrofit filter so we'll we'll use our media to make a filter for their their collector whoever it's made by we like to have there to be some sort of filter future filter sale or collector sale hopefully that gets connected to the dust test if they want to do that they just need to contact their sales rep or their aftermarket rep and we can look at doing that but mm-hmm. it is free and then uh if they want i mentioned the combustible dust testing if they want to do that like i said we go through a third party lab for that i don't have the equipment to do that here so there is a charge for that just because the third-party testing lab is going to charge us for it. So we kind of pass that cost on to the customer if they want to do that. And they can contact me and I can help them with that. So having said all of that, what would you say is your favorite or some of your favorite samples that you've gotten in the past? Uh, my favorite one is, uh, uh, I think I mentioned earlier, like uh, like uh, industrial printing facilities. We get dust from those kind of regularly and I always like those because they always send in so they they do they'll do like big 16 foot posters and stuff they basically have giant laser printers and so they'll spread this like toner dust and then mm-hmm. they'll heat it up and make a giant poster but it's cool because the samples are always these uh, okay. really brightly colored like you get cyan and yeah orange okay but yeah those are always cool just because they're you know really brightly colored and beautiful it's, it's right. really interesting. A lot of dust, whenever you look at them under the microscope, are often, uh, they look like they're a certain color, but then when you zoom in real close, everything's made of molecules, and between those molecules is a lot of air or dead space. So most things, when you put them under the microscope, are clear, kind of like crystals. But uh, toner dust, when you get under the microscope, is still, whatever color it is, is really bright. Okay, well, thanks for stopping by, Blake. If you'd like to find out more about this and other topics, uh, simply follow the links in the show notes, which you'll find in the description of this podcast. They include links, contact details, and anything else you might need to get more information. This podcast was produced by Camphill, the world leader in the production and development of air filters and clean air solutions. You can find out more at camphill.com. Be sure to join us for our next episode and be sure to subscribe to get notifications for future episodes. Until then, I'm your host, Jacob Stewart, and this has been Let's Talk Clean Air. Thank you for listening.